good morning, Chatterbox listeners. This is another fresh episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And my name's the newly fresh and alive, Ara. Yeah, you were feeling sick this week, huh? Yeah, it was bad times. So I'm that's still kind of getting over it, but uh, I'm in enough shape to walk and talk, so that's, that's real good. In case you're wondering why we didn't, uh, didn't put this show on the internet's earlier this week that, it's all it's all me that is exactly why and uh, i expect to be sick next week now that i've visited your home actually i, I blame ralphie may honestly I, I don't know that he was sick was he when we saw him by, by proxy well you because you went to a place filled with people someone in that hundreds and hundreds of person theater gave me something real bad and I didn't even get a makeout out of it, so, so I'm really disappointed. So we saw Ralphie May last week here in Phoenix uh, as part of a bachelor party event. Do you want to talk about what we did that morning? Yeah, sure. Why not? So so I have a buddy who was getting married, and I had to set up the bachelor party. And um, knowing that Ara loves cars, I thought, Ara, you should come to this bachelor party as well. Uh, even though it was I was not the bachelor, choosing choosing the people who go to this thing, I thought it's important that Ara come because as the main event for this bachelor party, I had found a way. It was kind of amazing, actually. I was very proud of myself. I'd found a way to convince someone with a Bugatti Veyron to bring it out so that we could we could see it, sit in it, and some of us could even get rides in it. That was pretty amazing. I'm, I was thoroughly impressed. Yeah, so Friday morning, last Friday morning, we... Uh, we rolled up to a location I will not disclose and met a local owner of a Bugatti. Luckily, we live in, I don't know, like Candyland because you, you don't find these things everywhere. No, but we Scottsdale, live in a place where a Veyron is. Exactly. Uh, Scottsdale is it's a special part of the country. So, um, Did I tell you how much I was kicking myself for not having you guys take a picture of me? I took pictures of you. Did you? I took lots of pictures. Oh. Yeah. Well, then I'm so much happier now. Yeah, no, I will I knew you would want them. I have some video of you getting out of the car. Oh, that's beautiful. Because I, I was like, I just took pictures of the car and no people. Um, I don't know, just because I was just zombie-like that morning. And then I was like, this is so stupid. There's, if I just take pictures of the car, there's nothing personal or meaningful. Yeah, I definitely have video of you. I may not have... A good picture Dude, of I'll you. I'll take the video the and I'll make a picture. Okay. Anyway, so that's that was Friday morning. Unfortunately, I, I told my friend and Ara, I was like, this party is it is not one that escalates. It just it de-escalates over time. It started off with the best part. So pretty much everything de-escalates after that. I, yeah, pretty much. It was funny because afterwards, so so Ara and the Bachelor got to take a ride in this car. I. I basically passed on the. There was not a lot of opportunity, so I was like, "There's one person left. You should take. You should take Ara in, in there." So I was really glad that you talked to him because I was I was not even really like going to ask him for that. Yeah, well, it's tough to ask for yourself, but it's easier to ask for someone else. So I true. so I appreciate that very much. Yeah, this is one time when I, I I had your back there, so I got him to to take you for another ride, um, or for a ride. Um, all right. So after that, though. We all, when we went down there, I didn't realize this, this was going to happen, but we had five people and we, because of someone who had gotten driven there, but then his car was taken away, we had to stuff five people into your tiny BMW M3. And so that was fun. But then when we left, this was awesome. Do you, do you want to describe what happened when we left? I don't remember what happened. What happened was Ara had just come off of the high of riding in a Bugatti. Like he was not oh, driving. Oh, yeah. Thing. No, that I remember. He was simply the passenger because we're not about to go driving this guy's car. But you were the passenger in this amazing vehicle. For those who don't know, this thing uh, tops out at like 1,000 horsepower, over 250 miles an hour. It's, you could, like, it's the most powerful consumer vehicle it's, it's, the, it's the fastest production car that you can buy and also like pretty much the most expensive yeah it's um, like it's over a million like dollars 11 radiators in it which is just i just like to say that because most cars have one yeah it's here's the thing there's lots of fancy cars out there lamborghinis ferraris this is the fanciest of cars very few of them exist so uh, he got to ride in this thing. It, it's got its own tire. There's Michelin, like, makes, like, tires, 
they make a tire just for this car, for no other car. Yeah, replacing the tires on this thing costs literally more than my entire car. Mm-hmm. Just replacing the tires. Yeah. In fact, just a tune-up, which happens every 6,000 miles on this car, costs more than my car. Anyway, I don't want to spend the whole show on this, but it's worth saying, the car's awesome. Ara got, on a ride in it, got to ride in it. Then he takes four other people in his, in his tiny M3, drives away, and he's like, God, I have the slowest car on the planet. Right? This is such a piece of junk. I hate this thing. He didn't say I hate this thing, but that's that was the subtext. This is such a piece of crap. It was I wanted I I really like I wanted to I want to be sure. It wasn't my intent to convey anything negative, but some people took it that way and and I posted on Facebook like the almost very same thing. I said, "Look, I got to ride in this car from now on. My car my 333 horsepower car is the slowest thing on the planet." And it is. It was, I mean, it's like, it's, this, the, the words just escape my mouth. You just, you can't, there's just no words. I mean, you go from, you know, cruising speed at like 30 to 100 and then down to 30 in like a space of a block. And it's. It sounds like the Batman roller coaster. It's like, no, the Batman roller coaster is slower. It's like it's it's not like it's it's not like you're accelerating. It's like you're warping the world around you. It's just that insane. Well, I wish one day I'll be able to get a ride in that thing because that was well, it was it was nice looking. That's what I got to do. I got to sit in it. But yeah, I mean, look, consider the trade-off. If you make one mistake, everything blows up. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. Um, anyway, so that was our Friday. So that was good times. Um, we had fun. But then in the evening, we went to a comedy show uh, with Ralphie May and a lot of people. And maybe that's where the sickness came from for Ara. And uh, he definitely looked sick. Like, I, he didn't explain that he was sick, but he looked like death warmed over. It was, yeah, I was telling you when he started, I was like, man, he looks like he's in a real bad way. Yeah. And, and he did. And he perked up after he got into it. I mean, like, that guy, that guy, I have to, I mean, there's no way in the world that he's ever going to hear this, but like, I have to give him kudos because he is just such a hard worker, and you can, yeah. <coughs> you can tell, you can just tell, like he, like he was just in a shit condition that night, and he just gave it his all, and he actually like we had to wait an hour because he went like 45 minutes over, but then he also gave us like a 45 minute extra long show. And I mean, this is, this is a guy who like, you know, I mean, he cares about what he does more than, you know, money. So yeah, it, it made me not mind that he tried to hawk his shirts at the end of the show. It made me not mind that, uh, you know, he, his spittle probably traveled 14 feet across the room (laughs) and entered my nostril and made me sick. But anyway, fun, fun times again that Friday. So let's, let's, uh, go almost a week in advance five days and talk about what i did yesterday all right yesterday was wednesday and i got home i'm sitting on the couch with my wife and i read on my little phone that oh my god there's downloadable content for doritos crash course and i i perked up like a cat who heard a bird and i was like oh my god i I gotta get on my xbox and download this. Where did this come from? Did you like? Was anybody anticipating this? Was this no idea? Expected? I know that they're working on, according to what I've read, anyway, they're working on Doritos Crash Course Two, and I expected to have to pay for that, even though the first one is free. Out of the blue, comes downloadable content, which is interesting, by the way, because it's a very old game. It's never had downloadable content yet, so they had to run an update to the game just in, in order to have downloadable content. Yeah, and these things, didn't support it. these things cost like major chunks of change. These aren't trivial things for companies to do to add DLC. Yeah, are you, are you talking about the cost of production or the idea that they would run an update just to be able to do downloadable Both. content? Both. I mean, the fact that you have to produce more content and you have to have dedicated staff to do that, one. And two, there's like, there's also like inherent fees just in just releasing... Yeah. Right, an update for your game. It's a lot of money to update a game. What is it like, ten grand or fifty grand or something? Uh, somewhere between those two figures. Okay. It's fifty grand to get ESRB to rate your game, right? But I think it's only ten grand or so for Xbox Live to let you release an update. Uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
Okay. Still a lot of money if you're not going to make any money off of it. So I think the content might have been free, though. It might have been content that they were building in advance of making the sequel or maybe making the sequel, but they didn't like the levels enough, so they just put them out there as downloadable content. Right. It's conceivable. Um, however, I don't think they've made much more than $10,000 yet because based on the, the leaderboards for these levels, um, I looked at some that only had like less than 6,000 people playing. But what I want to talk about... Which is not is, surprising. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, it's day one. Also, it's a game that's very old and has Doritos in the name, so people automatically think that it's a waste of time, even though it's a fantastic game. But I am going to show you some pictures that I took. Uh, and by you, I mean Ara, not the person listening. Can you, uh, can you lean over here and look at that? This is, uh, this is top-notch radio we're doing right yeah, here. Yeah, you can see where it says position 16. Yeah, I can see that. All right, let's put the phone down here. And I'm going to show you. I also have, oh, look at that, eighth position in the world. Fifth position. In, these are different levels. Oh, position number one. And that that's after the game released. Not this, I'm pressed, so I got an early copy of the game. Yeah. After the game released, I was the number one best ranked on that particular level. You know, I'll be, I'll be impressed um, if you, A, hold this ranking. I'm already number 11. Okay. This was last night. Or B, uh, accomplish this on a game that people actually play. This is a great game. Uh, so what they did I, was... I'm not arguing that. The DLC has three sets of levels. The original game had three sets of levels as well. It had the USA, Europe, and Japan, and they got progressively more difficult. This one includes, instead of like countries or continents, now it's cities. So it's uh, Vegas, which is like basically... used to be Worlds 1, 2, and 3, right? USA, Europe, and Japan. Now they added Vegas in the middle of USA and Europe, so it's kind of like World 2. And then they added London as sort of World 4. And then they made a new set of levels, new versions of all the Japanese ones, called, like, easy versions. I'll talk more when we get back. Chatterboxers. How much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. The barely healthy Ara and Alon are rejoining you for Chatterbox. You look a lot better than you sounded two days ago, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, well, I feel a lot better. I don't even know what this was. I don't want to talk about it. It's yeah. not interesting. Everybody I know has been getting sick for like just one day it's and weird. it goes away. It was weird. So. Um, all right, so before we continue, of course, I'm going to mention UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology, still keeping this train running. Um, all right, so I was talking about Doritos Crash Course, and so they added three sets of levels. Um, the third set of levels was simply an easy, easier version of the Japan levels, but the Japan levels are crazy hard anyway, so the easy version is just, it, it's not exactly easy levels, right? They're not beginner levels, they're just easier than the Japanese ones. And it was the very last level of Japan, it was the last one called Get Carter, Japan 5 Easy, that I was number one uh, for at least a short amount of time, because now I'm number 11, out of only like 500 people though, so I'm like in the top 2%. There's one level... I think it's in the Vegas level, so I haven't even played the London ones yet. Somewhere in Vegas, where I am like 26 out of like 6,000 almost. So I'm in the top one half percentile. Yeah. You know what? You know what's funny about all this, right? It's the same kind of pattern that we see. It doesn't matter if it's a Doritos game or a Fritos game or a non-food related game, right? Even even my game developer friends, right, who are especially the ones who are like particularly adept at playing games even on their own games that have leaderboards right 
they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm number one in the leaderboards. I know that this isn't going to last very long, right? Because here's the thing. This always fascinates me for some reason. It's like, no matter how good you do, there's always somebody else who just has more time than you to invest into it. And just because of that fact, right, as long as somebody has more time to invest into that kind of competitive thing, you're going to get beaten. It's only a matter of time. You say that, but I have put time into some of these after getting my best score and not been able to beat it. Like it's... I could put a lot more time in and still not do so well. Like there's something they yeah, know but, that I yeah, don't other know people, about it. Other people. I mean, it's not, it's not that you linearly get uh, better scores based on the time you put in. It's not a linear relationship at all. But I do believe that, and I think this applies to any kind of competitive sport, that the people who have the most time spent on that activity are the ones who get the highest scores, right? And so if you're not one of the people who's basically spending all hours playing the game constantly, you're just not going to be on the top 10. You just won't. Well, let me tell you. And if you do, then maybe you have a chance. I am number 11 now, which takes me out of the top 10 for that particular level, but I'm still doing pretty well. So uh, I urge people to, and I think I've said this before, Friend me and get this game and play it. The DLC actually costs money, by the way. So the the main game, just to read his crash course, is free and awesome, and it's still free. Uh, the DLC costs two bucks. I had that much left in my account because I had three hundred sixty points sitting there. Ain't unused. that convenient? Yeah, and this took two hundred points. Microsoft must no, be really, points. really upset at the fact that you uh, were able to make a transaction without having any. Without having to spend any more money. Remainder points. Yeah. So it's not a lot of money. It's awesome. Go get it. Friend me. Message me saying, ha-ha, I'm going to kick your ass in Doritos Crash Course, and um, I will watch out for you. But right now, out of the 15 main levels from the first game, I had the number one score amongst all my friends for 10 of those 15. Um, And that is in the multiple thousandth places in all of those levels. I'm nowhere near the top for any of those but definitely at the top of my friends list well that's definitely your game yeah it is a it is a fine fine game so i'm very excited there's dlc i'm even more excited for the sequel that will come one day are you are you more apt to buy doritos now that uh, you're more you know i was thinking about that yesterday i was like oh doritos a snack strong production i still don't care at all about doritos but it it's still you know it produced brand i've never seen you eat a dorito uh, it's rare that I have ever eaten Doritos. I can, I can stomach the Cool Ranch, yeah, for some amount of time. But um, Doritos are pretty gross, generally speaking. I try not to eat a lot of processed foods in general, except baked goods. I'll eat a lot of baked, but those aren't processed. Those are, yeah. Oh, where where uh, you're not going to just get yummy. me to argue with you about what constitutes processed or not? <laughs> okay. I just remember in third grade when Cool Ranch came out. And it was like the most glorious thing in the world. And now I just think it's disgusting. Yeah. Well, you and me both. But anyway, um, yeah, regardless of the Doritos link, there are no Doritos in the game. And it's awesome. I got to say, though, with every world in this game, uh, before you start running through the level, you, uh, you have some sort of animation. Like there's at least two animations for every world. For instance, in the Japanese level, like you roll around like a ninja and it's pretty cheesy. But there's no audio associated with it. In the Vegas levels, these new Vegas levels, you have new animations and they both make noise. And it was weird because I usually don't use headphones. But now that my wife is doing crazy studying for the bar, I can't like make any noise in my house. I basically have to be quiet for two months straight. Um, I was playing with headphones last night and the animations associated with the beginning of the Vegas world levels... Uh, make noise. One of them where he's playing like air guitar. So it's playing this guitar thing. And it's just annoying to hear that because when you're being competitive, like you'll run through, you make a mistake, got to reset that level, right? So I do a lot of resetting, which means I do run through these animations a lot. And uh, it's it's just annoying. It's really pissing you off. Well, I mean, it's not that big a deal, but it's just annoying to hear the same sound over and over. You can watch the animation over and over. Well, you can just avert your eyes until like three, two, one, go. Right. But during that three, two, one, you just have to 
Anyway. It's funny that you mentioned that because that reminds me of how, you know, we see new games come out constantly. And while in a lot of ways, you know, it's like, okay, well, graphics keep getting better and animations generally keeps getting better and sound generally keeps getting better. Uh, Maybe not so much the sound, right? But the thing is, like, you... There's always, like, this expectation in general that products that are newer will generally be better than products that are older. And video games are so interesting because that's totally not the case at all. We see new products come out with retarded, stupid mistakes in them that we think, well, like this thing that you're experiencing, right? Like, Well, it's, you, it's certainly subjective. Some other people might... Fair, fair enough. But let's say... But, but this isn't also the only example of this thing. Um, there's like... Like, for example, there's... I was playing this Mensa game that came out on the, on the 360 the other day, right? It's just another one of those brain quiz game things, right? And they do, they do one of the most basic faux pas of interface design, which is... Um, yeah, so there's like two buttons oftentimes, right, when you need to make a choice. And the default or the button that they want you to select is uh, they color it green because, you know, the thinking is, oh, well, green means go. And the one that uh, they don't want you to select or the negative one is colored red, right? But they're imp- – like to a, to, a, to a naive designer, it makes perfect sense and it's totally logical, Right. But if you have any experience in designing interfaces at all and just how human psychology works in the first place, just any practical experience at all, you you know that this is a terrible idea because you have these big green and red buttons that they're actually both like equal visual weight. They're just these very stark colors. Well, for one, this is funny, huh? Because if you're colorblind, then you can't tell the difference. But for two, even if you're not, right – even though they're red and green, you don't – they have the same weight on the screen. And so you don't actually read them the way the designer who put those there expects you to read them. It actually makes it harder to read and understand. Are these like accept and cancel buttons? Yeah, for example. Yeah. Okay. Um, a, a few games have done this. This doesn't happen very often. A few games have done this in the past. And it's, it's such a basic thing that you shouldn't do. But yet this game does it. And it's like, it's like look, we've figured out – 10 years ago or earlier that this is a stupid way to draw this. I didn't know that this was a problem and I can't understand why you don't, why you think it's so bad. I mean, even even the Xbox interface does that. You'll have to see it in, in practice. It's, it depends on how you do it. It It's not, it's not just the fact that there is a little bit of red and a little bit of green because yeah, like in the Xbox, yeah, there's a red button and there's a green button, right? But also, like, there's, there's other cues there because there's the letter of the button and so on that you rely on. It's not so much the colors. But games but that it, have placed... It doesn't say okay and cancel on it? It's just a green button and a red button? No, it, it says that, but this is... Like, you're going to have to see it. I, I should have shown you this before the fact so you actually had background on this. But okay. just trust me. The way that it's presented, they, they fight for your attention so strongly that it actually, like, you have to look at it in, like a couple seconds longer to actually digest what this interface is telling you. Instead of it being easier to read, it's harder to read. Now, look, this is like everything in an interface design. These are kind of like minute details, right? But they all matter. And they're things that like we, we've progressed beyond this. We know this is stupid. Everybody should know this. And yet games still come out with these kinds of stupid little things in them. It's it's like it's like we we are not as a industry we do not have a body of design knowledge that is regularly passed down from product to product and generation to generation. It's like knowledge is discovered, learned from, applied, and then forgotten completely. Well, the the guy who does interface design in low budget projects usually is the guy with the least experience, or perhaps the intern as well. Well, so that's you know what that's actually a really good point, right? And but but it just speaks to a larger symptom of the fact that just the practice of design in games is not as methodical as you think it is, and it's not as methodical as it should be. 
and it's not taken seriously as it should be. I got I got more to say on that, especially with a couple other games we want to talk about. I should about. tell you about my, my friend of a friend who was dealing with the menu system on an F1 game once. Beautiful. Anyway, we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back. We're complaining about some interface stuff. For the record, the reason that this came up, I was talking about in uh, the new, specifically the new worlds of Crash Course in the DLC, and really only Vegas. I haven't played London yet. Um, they introduced audio to the the startup animations at the beginning of the level. But the reason that, that it was lame wasn't so much that they had the audio, but because all the other worlds in the game didn't have it. They had animations, but no sound. So suddenly they have DLC, and they're like, oh, for these animations, we're going to put in sound. And they didn't like back up to the other worlds and add sound to those animations. Right. Or maybe maybe they did, and I just they became so background. Like, now I'm thinking about it. I was like, wait, I think the Japan levels do have a sound. Who knows? But it's, it's another symptom of another problem in general that happens a lot in game development, where a lot of times assets and animations will be created without proper regard to like how they actually fit in with the rest of the system of the game as a whole. Right. And so they'll, you know, the artist will be like, Oh, I'm going to add sound to this animation because an animation with sound is better than an animation without sound. Right. But it completely neglects the context of which it's actually applied. Right. And that's the thing. That's the thing about games that is, um, really, really important, especially for artists, um, but really all game developers to understand, is that every single thing you do, it it all affects every other aspect of the game. And it all needs to be considered as a whole and how it works together. And, I mean, for better or worse, maybe it's an idiosyncrasy of the way game development happens, but a lot of times pieces are created without regard to how exactly they're going to fit in. And maybe it's somebody's job to figure that out, Right. But a lot of times it's not that person who actually made that asset, right? So the guy who makes, like, say, that animation um, doesn't fully I'm, – I'm just speculating here. You know, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But it sounds like, you know, maybe the artist who made that asset um, was not considering, like, how it would fit in with the context of the game. In other words, like, oh, well, you know, this isn't – this is an animation that I'm going to see and hear repeatedly over and over again because of how the game works, Right. And so, you know, it needs to be considered that, you know, this animation is going to be heard over and over and over. And so it needs to be kind of resilient to your ears, right? Yeah. The, now that I'm, I'm remembering the Japanese one, it's more like it's more like the level from the, the Japanese worlds are part of the level. And for Vegas, it's your character making the sound. It's, it's directly associated with the animation yeah. itself. So in, in this case, he plays air guitar and you're hearing guitar. And another one, he's like throwing sparks from his fingers like a magician. And so you're hearing the, the sparks like fireworks. Yeah. To me, it just sounds like a philosophy where they're, where they're like, oh, well, we didn't do this before. We're going to do more now. So more is better. So it must obviously be yeah. better always, no matter I'm, what. I'm nitpicking. It was just, it was an interesting thing to, to note. Yeah. Whereas I, I never got that feeling from the rest of the game. I love, jarring sounds. I love riffing off your nitpicks. That's, that's good. So, um, but that reminds me too of like, like for example, um, you know, you, it's been a while since I've been able to stomach a Japanese RPG, but back in the day I played them a hell of a ton and I have the impression that you did too, Alon. Nope. Like no Final Fantasies? Literally never played a Final Fantasy. No, no, that's not true. I played about Two hours of Final Fantasy VII okay, for PlayStation. Okay. Well, okay. I played a lot of Dragon Warrior, or the original Dragon Warrior for NES. Okay. That was it. Fair enough. Um, either way, it doesn't really matter all that much. Um, Ooh, and Ultima. One of the really interesting things I found, and actually if anybody disagrees, I would love to hear a dissenting opinion, right? But my impression is that, you know, when, right, when the musicians, when the composers constructed the soundtrack to a lot of the Final Fantasy games, they knew the frequency of the 
tracks that were going to be heard. And so, for example, you have battle music, right? In battle music, that's the music that plays when you get into a fight, right? And this music you're going to hear like 99% of the time. I don't think that it was any coincidence, any just coincidence, right, that that music was also actually very, very resilient under just repeated, constant listening, right? I think that what the composers did is they knew that you were going to constantly hear this shit over and over. And so they made sure that it was something that would be very easy on your ears so that you could tolerate hearing it over and over and over, right? And in fact, what they did with a lot of the later Final Fantasies is that they changed it up also to fight that kind of like fatigue of listening to the same thing. This is, this is a really good thing. They understood the context in which the player would encounter this, and so they basically adjusted their approach accordingly. Yeah, and so like you'll get different, different fight music based on which yeah. um, and there's, area there's even, or something. There's even one other angle I want to take on this, and this, this relates to this fuel overload game that we played last week. So I remember playing that game and feeling like, wow, this is a horrible game, but I, right now I can't remember what it is. Okay, so this is, remember RC Pro-Am? Yes. Oh, actually, no, I kind of liked this game. <laughs> this isn't the game I disliked. There's yeah. another one I didn't like. So, so this was like, you know, a modern, like, take on the RC Pro-Am style of game, right? So you're basically, like, turning left and right, and it's kind of got like a orthogonal-ish, but not really, like, top view of, and, and it's just a you know you're racing. It reminded me track. more of like the Neo Geo, uh, yeah, yeah, rally. I forget what it was called, but there there was a few of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then here, there's a couple, there's one thing actually, like the one thing that I want to point out about that game, and we can talk about the other things after that. Is that um, my first impression? Right, was that there's there's like I was completely overwhelmed with all the different things you can do. In the game because you have like I mean you can just steer and drive but then you have like you can shoot right you have this crazy grappling thing you can do 20 different things with or at yep. least it feels that way then you three. have like there's three then you have like an array of special moves you have this whole hierarchy of special moves you can do at various junctures right yes and which I, I found would, difficult to pull off by the way you found difficult yeah like I would be doing the the motions to make them happen and nothing would happen <laughs> So, like, I didn't... But it was for the non-training character, so yeah. I didn't, like... Maybe I was just doing something wrong. So, so my first impression of the game is that I was, like, all of these things that I can do, like, it's, like, I can do 20 different things with my car in this game, but I only wanted to do three, right? And so I thought it was a really, really terrible design in terms of, like, why are you giving me dumping all these 20 different things I can do when, like, one, like, I can't even digest it all because you're dumping it all on me at once. Well, now, they're training. You go through a training, and it's like, all yeah. right, that's all you need. You can get started. Or yeah. I've got some more stuff I can teach you. Yeah. I thought they did that pretty well. Well, I don't want to get into that. But, I mean, you don't actually have to do all the things to play. But I did feel overwhelmed that there was all these possible things I could do that – you know, I, I wasn't adept at doing right away. And I mean, everybody knows when you're, you know, when you're designing a game that has a lot of latitude of skill in it, that you want to kind of like gradually introduce things to the player, not to overwhelm them. Right. And this game kind of had the opposite effect on me. And then I was thinking like, why did they do that? Right. And it dawned on me that here, here's what happened again, total speculation could be right, could be wrong, but I think I'm right. When you're working on a game like that, right, and you're working on it for such a long time, you get so acclimated to the basics of the game that you start thinking of like, oh, well, the way this works now, right, I've internalized all these basic moves. Like, let's say they made the game and it didn't have grappling and it didn't have the special moves, right? So they're probably like, oh, this is boring because we, you know, we're, we're comfortable with this as developers, like we're playing our own game. This is boring. We need to add more to it to get it to be, you know, exciting and intense, right? And so he, what ends up happening is that the the whole, like, you can call it the player package, which is, like, all the things the player can do in a game, right? The whole player package that you have access to um, is built in a game like this, right? It's basically built for an expert player. In other words, they put all in that stuff because 
they were bored with whatever the basic mechanics were, right? I I hear you, but I don't know that I I agree. I don't know that that's what happened. I, I'm not I'm not surprised that you don't, right? I bet that it was designed from the ground up as like a driving slash fighting game. I'm I'm sure they intended it that way. I'm not saying they didn't, right? But the thing is, is that it's one one of the things that happens a lot in game development too, and this is very hard to get away from. You have to be really disciplined, self-disciplined to to deal with this properly. And even experienced developers are not immune to it. Even I mean, I'm not immune to it. Is that you get so good at your game that you don't you you start to fail to see what a naive user's experience will be like when they see it for the first time. And so oftentimes you really overestimate how much somebody can handle, right? And so the thing is, right, like this kind of game, it seems that the player package that they're supporting in this game is really well-suited for somebody who's basically like, let's say, played it for 10 hours already, right? Maybe if you've played it for 10 hours already, then the grappling mechanics and the special moves are really, really interesting, really, really critical parts of the game to make it fun and dynamic and deep, right? But if you're playing it for the first couple hours, those things don't serve to do anything but basically just serve as barriers for you to basically like understand and appreciate the game you know, at the level you can. Yeah, so they probably should have found a, a better way to introduce those. I think it was probably because it's a racing game, and when it was designed, they didn't know which was going to come first and which was going to come last, and so they couldn't, like, present a level that just didn't have grappling opportunities in it uh, just to act as the first level where you just train without grappling, right? They probably just built them all and didn't know the order, and so they had to just present you with a big old training level at the yeah, well, with. this is, I mean, this is one of my pet peeves, right? It's like, I, I think that the best way to make games is to not ever have an explicit tutorial or training component. This should be just naturally just weaved into the flow of the game as you progress. Because then you get new stuff when you're ready to access it, you know? You've mastered turning, you've mastered accelerating and braking, and then now you're ready for next component, Right. Well, I mean, that certainly would be ideal. We talked about that before. It, but yeah, it's, it's, it's ideal, but almost nobody does it, right? And it's, it's like, it's, it's kind of frustrating to see n- almost nobody do it because it's not necessarily a super hard thing to do. It's just that the, the convention of like, it's a convention, right? It's like the, the tutorial has become a convention. And so if you don't have something called a tutorial, right, this is crazy the executives or other people at your company will be asking you, why don't you have a tutorial? Where else are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. Right? And they say, why don't you have a tutorial, like in a very Dilbert esque way, right? Which is completely ignoring what the, uh, you know, meaningful content of that word is and 
they're just focusing on the fact that there's nothing in the game that's labeled a tutorial, right? For fear that if there isn't something called a tutorial, then you can't teach the player anything, right? Yeah. Which is just completely backwards and un understanding looking way at the game you, you know what i've decided after hearing you you talk for as long as i have uh i don't mean today but I, in general <laughs> um yeah i really think you need to just join an independent development house that that doesn't have a publisher associated with it yeah it might be the independent house of me yeah like you just that's what you need to do you need to work where you're the boss you don't you don't have anybody telling you what to do I mean, honestly, let you shine. It may, it may be just a matter of time. Yeah, I hope so. I hope for your sake <laughs> that you can find that. Because otherwise, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. Now, it, in an effort to segue to some other topics, um, this is already our last segment. Surprisingly, um, we I'm can talk about to, anything you want. Because I've been rambling for a well, while. Well, first, I'm going to talk about University of Advancing Technology and their website, UAT.edu. I do that from time to time. Um, but next, I, I wanted to ask you. And, and we sort of brought this up a little bit before the show, but we didn't really talk about it much. Did, have you seen the numbers associated with Minecraft? Lately? You mean, um, I, I stopped following after millions. Okay. Apparently, like, I don't remember. I think it was like it sold 5 million in 2012 or like 5 million in the five minutes before the end of 2012. It sold like almost 500,000 just on Christmas Day, apparently. So, <clears throat> like, I'm getting a little bit pissed off that I didn't come up with the idea of Minecraft because this guy is making money hand over fist. And, and you were asking me if I was pissed off. Yeah, right? I was like, are you, are you pissed The Notch is like super duper ultra rich from this idea that is, I mean, now, I on the be, grand scale, relatively simple? I want to be clear. He's not super rich from the idea. He's super rich from the execution. We need to True. really make that distinction because anybody can come up with an idea, but it's the execution that actually means something. Yeah, well, I'm, but, I'm sure uh, that he did it well. But when you asked me that, I was like, hey, let's save it for the show, because this is actually sounds kind of interesting. Um, I'm not pissed. I hate to disappoint you. But it's it's mostly just because I, I know that I would never have made a game that way. And also, the, well, the funny thing is, I don't think anyone could have predicted its success. Yeah, well, I think one of the reasons it got successful is because of Penny Arcade at the beat, like very early on pointing it out. But still, like it's... Far beyond Penny Arcade talking about it, it's, right. it's garnered huge success. And I, I have to point out once again, as I've pointed out before on the show, never even played it. No idea what happens in that game except that it's super simple. You like hack at a lot of stuff yeah. and then you build stuff. It's, I it's mean, not it's, much of a game. It's not my kind of game either. It's, it's not something that I would choose to spend really any time playing. It's just not my kind of game. It doesn't mean it's a bad game or a good game. It's just not my kind of game. Yeah. But the funny thing that I was I was I but, wanted to say about it. But can you play a, a game like this, which is barely even a game? Yeah, is the best selling Xbox Live Arcade game, like by leaps and bounds, by multiples. Yeah, by, by big multiples. Yeah, and then like I think the second one is really like Castle Crashers, which is really like conceptually is um, nothing like novel at all. Yeah, but it's just another well executed, you know, visually appealing, simple game. But whatever. Right. But Minecraft, like, so if, if it sells for, what, like 10 or $15 or something, let's say it's only 10 bucks. It's not, it's one of the more expensive live arcade games, but it's not, um, like, $30 or anything. They sell 500000 almost on Christmas Day, which is months and months after it came out initially, right? This is not opening weekend. It's pretty staggering. Thing. It's hard to put your head around. Yeah, that means they brought in $5 million of revenue just on Christmas Day. Yeah. For people for a game that was already made. Yeah. Right? And it already sold millions. Oh yeah. He it's doesn't have to do anything ever if he doesn't want to. Yeah. He just has to continue don donating money to the Kickstarters that I support it's, to make it's, sure that they go over that line. It's kind of funny because in a lot of ways I think that especially independent developers, it's like you know, there's not every independent developer is equal, right? But there's definitely like a, a swath of devs that they all make some pretty top-notch work. Like they make, let's say, a Yeoman's work. I don't know what that is. Their product. I don't know what it is either, but it sounds pretty official. Okay. And um, this, let's just say they may all make a, a you know, a, a, a rather high grade of standard of 
um, artistic product or maybe just product if you don't want to use that word. And I kind of feel like there's there's like a lottery that goes around, you know, and every year a couple of those in the group of people who make, you know, competently well-made games by themselves, a couple of people hit the lottery. And nobody lottery knows of like, of like exposure No, or lottery of nerves? of insane success. Yeah, but like are you suggesting that the success is is somewhat random based on some little event, like for instance Penny Arcade noticing it and liking it or more that like without realizing it they hit on the nerve of the gaming public making something that surprisingly was super appealing to lots of people when they really just made something that they meant to be appealing to themselves well well i i think it's it's obviously the the latter because i mean marketing can only do so much but if you're if you have just sustained incredible sales just like you said before Penny Arcade mentioning can only get you so far. You know, if your game is garbage, it's, it's, you know, you might get a spike of sales, but they're not going to carry your success through the years, you know. But I kind of feel like, yeah, it's like every year it's like somebody's turn to to win this lottery and nobody knows who it's going to be. And it's not that it's just completely random, right? It's not completely random, but it, a lot of times it sure feels that way. Yeah. And and it's it's I mean I'm not angry about it. It's not like it's like it's it's just that's just the way things work. I mean nobody understands why things sell. If people understood why things sell sold then um I mean m- you know sales and marketing wouldn't be the you know fundamentally bullshit business that it is. Actually in analyzing the success of the game which you know is only being done in my head right now I'm guessing one of the reasons it's so successful is word of mouth amongst children. Because, I mean, it's popular with kids, right? Um, because of its simplicity and accessibility and all that. Yeah. And I have a feeling, like, because it's a game where you... I mean, you do interact with others, right? Like, you visit other people's things that they've built and stuff. Oh, yeah, you can do that. So, the but, fact but that the it appeals is... to young kids and includes interaction over network with other young kids helps spread it virally. Like, oh, you should get it so that we can meet in the game and see each other's stuff and whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of all those components and stuff help, right? But then I also think that, you know, really like dissecting the components of a game like that to like what made it successful and then like, you know, trying to like extract those components and put that in another game usually doesn't work. the, The hard part is actually making something of quality to begin with. Right. But what helped it, yield the great success that it did um like the numbers that keep growing and keep growing yeah that i think is the, what i was just saying about yeah um, the, the young kid virality but yeah it, if it was crappy it wouldn't have had that virality they yeah. wouldn't have been talking about it and wanting to play it for more than a day yeah i mean another big factor that is uh difficult to consider is that I mean, a lot of that success i think in big ways depends on for example what other products are around right and what what are people sick of in general and what is, what is new and fresh to them, right? Um, you know, the we sold tons and tons and tons and tons, right? But if you I mean you can't you can't you can't make a game like that anymore because everybody's just so sick of it. Yeah. I don't think you can anyway, right? But then you have to be very careful to like you can't just think in such extremes in that way because then you become you know, then you become corporate speak, right? And then you end up saying stupid things like racing games don't sell on the Wii because no racing games have sold well on the Wii. And, you know, I'm just using the Wii as an example. Obviously, the Wii is not the hot product right now. But you can you can see how that kind of, like, quasi-intellectual approach is conducive to just completely getting like sideways in your logic of like what kind of game you should make to make money because and that's the kind of things that corporations engage in and that's what a lot of times like they'll end up making these games that like you know well we all know that successful games and products in general come from someone who had the heart to do it, not just because a, a suit from up top said to make this type of thing. Right, exactly. Uh, and that's one reason that I think Minecraft is is successful because it's quality from someone who made a game he wanted to play. But still, watching the numbers come in and how amazingly successful it is is also a little bit sickening to me because 
it's I don't know no one person and I'm, I know it's not just him making the game he's had hired other people but he started off making it by himself yeah and yeah. I'm sure he's taken the lion's share of the money as I mean he should have if he didn't sure I mean, he shares it Absolutely. well by the way apparently the employees are very happy <laughs> with with working at the company so I'm not trying to say he's taking all their money but um it's just sick how well that that has done and the fact that it's you know, just a few people making it. Yeah, it's it's funny. I was reading something the other day, and I mean, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not following on like exactly like, uh, like I'm not on the pulse of the internet's like uh, appraisal of Notch's uh, worthiness or status. But like, I heard this thing about like, oh, there's all these people upset with him because he's made promises that he hasn't followed through on, and I'm like, I mean. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about either, but I mean, I mean, we know the gamers are a very fickle bunch. Not but... releasing updates frequently enough. I think that might be it. He <sighs> promised a certain update. I mean, I mean, I guess, right? But it's like, you know, it's it's I don't know. It's kind of like just like getting upset at like Elon Musk because he promised his car would do something that is that it doesn't do. It's like there's a lot of steps you got to take to get from point A to point B things that can go wrong like give the guy a break here you know yeah well we're experienced enough to know not to expect what is promised of us he's not making a car i'm not going to equate the two things but young naive kids they expect what they were promised they will grow up to be adults be just as jaded as us and understand that everything is politics and that you'll never get what you're promised fair enough and that's when they will turn into soulless adults like the rest of us well at least they should just turn into adults that don't complain for stupid reasons Anyway, uh, we have remarkably come to the end of the show very quickly. We had lots of other stuff to talk about, so we'll be back next week. As always, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, a happy new year. It's 2013 now. That, that's it. We'll be back next week. Good night, guys. been listening to chatterbox video game radio tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming and remember all your base are belong to us